Good to see you here today on this Palm Sunday. Welcome, Easter is coming, uh, time to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. We're in the midst of a series right now called Famous Last Words. And we've been talking about the last words that Jesus says from the cross before he dies. And in these last words, what we find is that he is revealing what he is doing and he's revealing who he is on the cross. So we've been kind of looking at these words and, and, and reflecting on what does Jesus say and then what does it mean for us? So today I want to continue looking at those words. And the word that we found that we were going to look at today actually was a follow-up of what he said last week. So if you have your Bibles or iPhones or however you read, turn to John chapter 19. And in John 19, I'll, I'll start reading. Let's start in verse 28. It says, later, knowing that all was completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Remember, this is Jesus on the cross. Verse 29 says, a jar of wine and vinegar was there, so they soaked the sponge in it and put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When, we, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The words today are Jesus are, it is finished. It is finished. It is finished. On the cross, Jesus makes his proclamation. He doesn't say, I am finished. He says, it is finished. And my question today is, when you think about the cross, when you think about Jesus on the cross, and you think about these specific words, it is finished, how do you respond to it in your own life? What do those words do to you when you hear it? What is your response to hear these words? It is finished. I believe that God is at work in the world, and I believe that God is at work here in this moment on the cross. He's working through Jesus. God works in this world, and he's working through his son, Jesus. And I believe that there's different kinds of work that God does on the cross, but it starts with this phrase. The work is finished. This is the work that God has done for us. This is the work that God has done for me, for you. And as I think about who God is in my relationship with him, being a follower of Jesus, um, understanding this moment, it is finished, is absolutely key. In this moment, God does a work on the cross that is for us. That is for us. These words, it is finished, are three words in our language. In the language that Jesus speaks, it's one word. It's one phrase. And it's this phrase, to telestai, it is finished, is this phrase, to telestai. And what we find is this phrase that Jesus says here when he says the words, it is finished, when he says, to telestai, it's not a whimper, and it's not a murmur, it's not a gurgle, but it's actually a proclamation. It's a victory chant. It's like, nailed it, it's over, we win. And what's interesting is, he says this right after he asked for a drink, which we talked about last week when he says, I'm thirsty. 
What a lot of scholars and historians would say is when he asked for that drink last week, it was so that he could clear his throat so he could proclaim this word, tetelestai, it is finished. Tetelestai means this, that a debt has been paid. It is finished is how we translate it, but it means a debt has been paid. And this is a very powerful concept for what Jesus is doing on the cross. So this is the work that Jesus does for us. This word has all sorts of meaning. There's this one theologian that says this, and to kind of understand just kind of the expanse of this word, Charles Spurgeon says, an ocean of meaning and a drop of language, a mere drop, for that is all we can do, call one word, to die. Yet it would need all other words that were ever spoken or ever can be spoken to explain this one word. It is altogether immeasurable, finished. It was a conqueror's cry. It was uttered with a loud voice, and there is nothing of anguish about it. There is no wailing in it. It is the cry of one who has completed a tremendous labor and is about to die. Before he utters his death prayer, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. He shouts his life's last hymn, that word, one word, to Telestai, to Telestai. This work that Jesus is doing for us is completed in this act on the cross. There is this very powerful act. And this is what he does on the cross. This work that's done for us is this. Jesus puts to death all of the things in this world that are trying to kill our soul. Jesus puts it to death. All the things that are trying to destroy us, the brokenness of this world, in the church world we use this word, sin. Jesus puts that to death on the cross. The work that he does for us is he finishes off death on the cross, the things that are trying to kill us. When we read through the scripture, we've talked about how the Old Testament is pointing towards this work that God's doing through Jesus and that it all comes to this moment on the cross and everything is pointing to the cross when this, the death of, of death happens. And when we look in the Old Testament, we've kind of picked up on these little cues where people are pointing towards what's happening in the world and pointing towards this Messiah, Jesus, that's coming. And we know there's this, this story for the followers of God that they were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. And this story is found in the book of Exodus where God's people are slaves to these Egyptians and they're probably building pyramids and they're working day and night, and, and it's this terrible living situation where they're oppressed by these Egyptian slavers. And then they cry out to God. He sends Charlton Heston, and he saves them, right? That's, we know this story. But in this story, when Moses comes and hears the cry of the people, cries out to God, they decide to start this exodus, this mass exodus, where God is delivering them from the Egyptians who are oppressing them what we find is that there's this resistance from the Egyptians. They don't want to let go of God's people because they control them. They use them for their own good. And this heavy oppression, this heavy weight that's on God's people is so oppressive, finally God says enough. And there's this unbelievable story of how God is actually freeing his people from the oppressors of Egypt. And we know that he... He comes and he sends these different plagues and he's trying to get a hold of Pharaoh to, to uh, basically uh, change Pharaoh's mind. Pharaoh has this hardened heart where he's not going to let the Israelites go. And this plague after plague comes. And then finally there's this moment where God says, I've had enough and I'm helping my people escape this 
slaver. And what he ends up doing is, in the story, he sends this angel of death into Egypt. This angel of death that goes to destroy the things that are destroying God's people. And in this story, God says to his people, if you want to survive this angel of death, this angel of destruction, here's what you need to do. You need to sacrifice a lamb, and you take the lamb, and on the doorstep, on the doorpost of your house, take a stalk of hyssop branches and sprinkle this blood on the doorpost of your house. And then when death comes to your door, it will pass over your house and your family will be spared. So we get this holiday for the Israelites, the, the Hebrew people called the Passover in this story, where God delivers them from the oppressive Egyptians by passing over when he sees the blood that's been put on the doorpost of their house. And there's this interesting connection that as they used this hyssop, the stalk of hyssop plant on the doorpost, and, and the, the blood of the lamb is seen, they're passed over. When Jesus is on the cross, when he's hanging there, there's this metaphor that he is the lamb that is slain for all of us. And death and destruction are at work in this world, but under the cross, Jesus, the beam of the cross, is like this doorpost of the universe. And under the cross, death passes over those who are inside of it. And there's this interesting little detail that the writers of the Gospels put in, that when Jesus cries out for a drink that we talked about last week where he says, I thirst, they grab a hyssop plant, a stalk of hyssop branches, and they bring the water to Jesus and the wine and the vinegar, and he drinks. The same kind of branch that was used to sprinkle the blood over the beam of the household. And there's this metaphor that the people of God started to understand. That although in Egypt they were enslaved to these humans who were doing all sorts of different terrible things to them, there's also a spiritual Egypt that they were living in. There's this idea that there's these things in this world that are enslaving us as human beings. And there are these oppressive forces that try to enslave us. And in our spiritual lives, all of us live in this slavery. And there's this desire for freedom from these things that the world, the forces, evil forces of the world. And in Christ, we're set free from those spiritual forces. And what Christ is doing on the cross, he's doing spiritually what happened, what God did in Egypt. This passing over the things that are here to destroy us, Christ destroys on the cross. So this word, it is finished, is this work that Jesus does for us. This gigantic rescue plan where there's blood on the doorposts of the universe and death passes over all those who are inside of it. The work that Jesus did for us. So when we start to understand this message that Jesus says it is finished, what he's doing for us is simply this. This idea of salvation. Saved from this Egyptian state where I've been enslaved and oppressed by sin. The work that God does for us moves us from death to life. There's this movement when we understand the work that God does for us. We move from death 
to life. This is a salvation. This is the gospel. Salvation in the gospel. For me, this is a, a concept that early on in my life, I started to understand that, that in this world, God has rescued us through his son, Jesus. There was this work that was done for us. For me, it was early on that I came to this moment. Sometimes we call it conversion. Sometimes we call it being saved. Sometimes we call it coming to this realization that God loves us and we enter into this story. Early on, I entered into the story, but here's what I found. The work that God did for me on the cross, this offering of salvation, this passing over the things that are trying to kill me, it's interesting because I still have terrible things happen to me all the time. And I still am a bad person and mess up and do all sorts of bad things all the time. Just ask my wife. I'm a very selfish person. And it's interesting because I know that God has done this work for me that's supposed to just, you know, free me from all of these things that are trying to destroy me and enslave me. Then why is life so stinking difficult? Why am I so unhappy? Why does everything break on my Jeep like once a month? And it's so frustrating. We live in this kind of tension and angst where it's like, I I understand the work that God did for me. I understand what happened on the cross. Like, I, I get that. But, there, but, but what does that mean for me now? Because life is still difficult. And I started to understand this, that God is working in the world through Jesus. And there's this work that was done for us on the cross when he says it is finished. But there's also this work now that God is doing in us, in our hearts. So there's this work that he did for us on the cross, but then there's this work that continues beyond the cross to be something that's going on inside of us. Something is being renewed or transformed in us. It's the work that God is doing inside of us. So there's a work for us, but then there's also a work in us. And there's this understanding that God loves us exactly as we are, Loves us no matter how broken, how messed up, whatever our past is, and will do anything to save us from whatever those, that past is. He loves us so much that he meets us exactly where we're at, but then he also loves us so much, he doesn't want to leave us where we are at. And he's calling us to this different kind of life, this kind of life where uh, we're living up to what he created us to be being created in the image of God, in the likeness of God. God says, that is what I created you for. And so, although I've saved you from all the things that are trying to destroy you, I want you to continue to live up to being an image bearer here on earth. So there's this work that takes place inside of us, this renewing, um, this redeeming of who we are to become more like Jesus. So to be a follower of Jesus is to understand the great cosmic rescue plan of what God did for us. But then this also, this personal renewing work that starts to take place inside of us that transforms us into the likeness of Christ. And what we find is in these moments, we move from shame and guilt to acceptance. There's a movement here when Christ is moving in us, we're moving from the shame and guilt into acceptance that God loves us, that he created us to be an image bearer. 
to live up to what he's created us to be. So there's a work that has to take place in us to continue to, to this transformation. If you grew up in church, you might call um, this word holiness. You might call it sanctification. It's becoming more like God, becoming more like him in everything that we do, which requires all sorts of different things. Not because God says you have to do this or I'm not going to love you, but because I love you so much that I invite you into this kind of life where there's this renewing, this work that takes place inside of us. When we look at the first generation of people who are following Jesus, we look through the book of Acts, all these different churches start sprouting up, and there's these people who say, I understand that God has done this work for me. And there's this proclamation that God has conquered death through Jesus. And I want others to know what that looks like. And what they realize is that when you have this encounter with the work of God, you come to this understanding that work of God, is, work of God has been done for you, you start to live differently because God is working in you. So these followers of Jesus decided, this work that is happening in me now is changing who I am and it's changing my community. So the Apostle Paul gives us a picture of what that looks like. And when he's writing to this one church that was started in this town called Philippi, he writes this letter to them and he uses these words in Philippians chapter 1. He says, to the saints... In Christ, who are gathered in Philippi, to the saints in Christ. He uses this term, saints. When we think of the word saint, we think of probably, you know, these pictures and icons of these old people who were dead and they used to like pick up chipmunks and, you know, do all sorts of good things. This word saints that he uses is this word hagios in the Greek. It means set apart. It means holy. These people who are part of this church are set apart in their culture to live a certain way where they understand that God has done a work for them and now God is doing a work in them and renewing them to be more like him. And they decide, we want to be the, the image bearers of God in this community. So there's this idea that they are set apart, that they are holy, that they live different than the culture of the day. What we find is they're saints and they're living in Christ. And this phrase, in Christ, appears over and over again in the New Testament. So when we talk about the, the work that God is doing in us, we find that that work takes place when we are in Christ. In this relationship with him, where he's transforming us into his image. Over and over again, these people are in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. What I found is that the best work that God does in me is when I am in him, in Christ, abiding in relationship with him. So we move from shame to acceptance. And this, for us, is where we find transformation and identity, the work that was done in us that starts on the cross. And then I finally started uh, to understand there was another work that's being done from the cross when Jesus says it is finished. So there's the work that was done for us, there's the work that was done in us, and there's the work that's being done through us. That God is working through us now to spread his love to other people. That God is working through us as people, as his people, 
to send this message of what he's done on the cross. There's a work that goes not just for me, not just to, to save me from my own brokenness, but now it means something for other people that I'm in community with. God is working through us in everything that we do. And so when we think about this work, the work that God is doing through us, through our lives, when we start to understand that, we move from it being all about ourself to it being about others. Or you might say we move from just being kind of consumers to being on mission. That my life isn't just my own. That my life is it's just not all about me, about the, my agenda, about the empire that I'm building. But it's about something greater. It's about other people. It's about community. It's about the story uh, that God is at work in our world. And so I move from this posture of it's all about me to it's all about others. God works through us, which can be difficult, especially in a culture like ours, which is so individualistic. Am I willing to allow God to work through me to reach others? Am I available for him to work through me? Am I allowing myself, as one writer says, to be kind of an ambassador for God here in this world? And that's a tough question. But salvation is never meant for us. Blessing is never meant for us. It's always for other people. One of the great things about being a part of the church is that this work that's done for us and in us and then through us can be lived out. And it this work of God through us requires being in community and relationship with other people. And a church is a place where people gather after the, a busy, crazy week. They come in on a Sunday, and we gather other times in the week, but we come in on Sunday, and this work, we remember what God does for us on the cross. We think about what he's doing in us as he renews us and heals us and transforms us. And then we're intentional about the work that he's doing through us as we interact with each other. And so today, as we reflect on these words, as we reflect on the, what Jesus has done when he says it is finished, this tetelestai, that he paid a debt, he did this great work for us, that he's continuing to do a work inside of us, and that he's now using us to be on mission in this world. A couple things to reflect on, a couple questions. And here's what I'd like to do, kind of as we end our time together today, is to spend some time in prayer. Spend some time in silence. Spend some time reflecting. And Matt's going to come back up. And I'd like to kind of do kind of more of an extended time than what we usually do. But as you have uh, the black card that's next to you, um, and you want to pick that up, um, I just wanted to do this prayer of examination. We think about these words, it is finished. We think about this work that God has done for us. The first question I have is the work that was done for us. When you think about your life right now, what things are destroying your soul that need to be put to death? 
What are the things that need to be put to death in your life? And on that black card, maybe you could just write down some of those things. For a lot of uh, Christians, there's this tradition of, of confession, where it's, I take all the things that I know are destroying my soul, this, this spiritual Egypt that I'm living in, and I confess it. I own up to it. So today on this card, what are those things that you need to put to death and understand that the work that God is doing for you on the cross puts these things to death? The second thing, the second question I would have is, what needs to be transformed in your life? When you think of the work that God is doing in you right now, the work that God is doing to renew you, maybe you have this understanding that, that God did this work for me on the cross. What is God doing in you right now that needs to be transformed so that you can become more like him? Spend some time just writing that down on the card. And the final thing is what needs to be repurposed in your life so that you can be on mission, so that God can work through you, so that you can be available to him to connect with other people, to help other people, to love other people, to serve other people? What are the things in your life that are causing you to be self-centered that requires to be repurposed for God's good? I want to pray, and then Matt's just going to play, and we'll sit in silence and just write for a little bit. Then I'll get up and lead us into communion. But these words, it is finished from the cross. How do you respond to those words when it comes to this work that Jesus has done? Let's take some time, and uh, let me pray, and then we'll just take some time and, and write. Lord, thank you so much for this great work you've done for us. The story that we have, Lord, of you conquering death. You releasing us from the things that um, hinder life. You releasing us from the things that are toxic from the things that we get addicted to, from the things that enslave us. We know that you move us not only from that salvation, but into this life of living up to who you've created us to be. People who are created in your image, full of potential, full of a, a capacity of love like you have. Pray that you would renew us today, Lord, that you would work in us. We thank you for using us, Lord, allowing us to be a part of this story. We give you these next few moments. Stir our hearts. Speak to us, Lord. Allow us to release certain things. Allow us to be renewed. In your son's name. Just take a few moments, sit in silence. As we end today, I invite you to take the card that you've written on, this uh, card of of uh, confession, this card of reflection. And as we move towards communion, there's a, a basket over on the communion table that you could just drop the card in. Um, 
It's black for a reason. It's between you and God. And uh, I'll just take the basket and throw everything away. But as you move towards communion, my prayer is that this would be a release for you. Um, that this would be a, t- a point of connection. And as you drop the card off, I invite you to take communion. Communion is uh, the body of Christ. The bread represents his body broken open on the cross for us. The juice represents his blood that is poured out. And as he's on the cross and as he's suffering, as he says these words, it is finished. Um, This action changes everything. So as you drop your card off, take the communion, do it in remembrance of him. Um, If you'd like to spend some time uh, in prayer, There'll be some people just sitting in the back on the bench that would love to pray with you. Maybe there's uh, something that you would like to, uh, to just talk about or have prayer for when it comes to what you've written down. I invite you to do that. We're going to end with a song. Feel free to take communion when you're ready. And then I'll come back up and dismiss us. Lord, we thank you so much for your work. The reason you came. The work that you did for us. The work that you're doing in us and the work that you're doing through us. You move us from death to life. You move us from shame to acceptance. And Lord, you move us from ourselves to others. We find salvation, transformation, community, and mission. Lord, we give you this time now. As we start this week, Lord, help us approach it differently with the emphasis on what you've done in this world. We give you this time, Lord. In your sons, let me pray. Amen.